morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, how are you this morning? Oh, so good, Lyle. Um, had some epic shed time last night, you know, just, just really modelling my life after yours. And so... I- well, there you go. You had an amazing evening then. I did. I, I got in the... I just, pu- like... Dude, it was awesome. I pulled my bike apart, pulled the carby off my bike to clean it, and then I was, like, playing... So, so basically, it's like, if you don't know what that is, it's where all the fuel goes in and, and then air. It, and air. Mixes. And it mixes, and then it goes into the engine. And I'm, like, playing with it, and I... um open basically like when you pull the throttle on a motorbike it squirts fuel in and so i'm looking at the carby and i pulled the little mechanism for for the throttle and it squirted fuel directly into my mouth (laughs) you had a pretty epic day yesterday (laughs) so so i was like and then it was fine like i just washed my mouth out Um, very very thoroughly i'm sure are you still burping petrol Nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> it's just like it's just like a little square, and it like burned a little bit. But other than that, see, dude, petrol will burn. Yeah, the worst is diesel. Yeah, because diesel is oily, and you can't wash that stuff it's out. Just, it's just there. Yes, there it's just stay. there. Take it from somebody who may have at one particular point been siphoning diesel. Oh, classic. I know exactly where this story is going. <laughs> and you sucked on the hose and was you... burping diesel for the next week. <laughs> that's so awesome. So yeah, at least petrol will evaporate. Yeah, that's right. That's diesel right. is terrible stuff. Oh, dude, but it was just so good. I was like... I was like, just in my element, you know, just pulling this bike apart. I'm like, wow, feels so legit. Yeah, feels so it's so it's manly. I feel doing, so Lyle Southwell doing right a now. Lyle thing right there. <laughs> doing a Lyle thing. It'll in just the shed. Move to the bush. Hang out in the shed. This is this is a new life. Absolutely, a, a new life worth living. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Fantastic stuff. Well, we're going to need some uh, positively different news before we get into the news story that I have this morning. So, mm. Lawson, give us some positively different news. I almost feel like you should go second so that we can have some mind bleach, but anyway. That's all right. That's all right. Hey, look, we've won the war. Which one? <laughs> yeah, that's I, right. I thought we just lost one. <laughs> no, we've won, we've won our war. Okay, and that war is against leaded petrol. We have right. The world is now declared completely free from leaded petrol. Okay, so we won that war in Australia, what, in 92? Yeah, that's right. Well, since 1973, the EPA released its kind of statement. You know, EPA in the United States released its statement that um, leaded petrol is really bad. It yes. has, and the reason it's bad is as a as a pollutant, and because like petrol and, and there's all kinds of things that pollute and do terrible things. But the reason that lead in petrol is terrible is because of the adverse health effects that it causes. Yeah, lead is pretty nasty stuff. It is super toxic, like for our health. Um, and people were dying of lead poisoning. They reckon it was costing. So the 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 medical cost of lead poisoning around the world cost around two point one trillion dollars. Um, and for the for the for the period of time that cars had leaded petrol, and basically the reason cars had leaded petrol is because lead was put in the petrol as an additive to protect the motor, and this is very common. Yeah, practice. it's a lubricant. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So this is like super common. You know, if you see the ads for any petrol station, they'll talk about how their additives are the best because, you know, oh, this fuel cleans your cars, you know, motor out and blah, 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 blah. So for years, they use lead to be able to do that and uh, not realizing that it was very much killing us until they did realize that. And so uh, America, particularly, you know, California, first to take a stand against that. Who was uh, the last? So this is the thing. So you, like you had all the, the developed nations first. You know, it was, it was America, then Japan, then Austria, Canada, Slovakia, Denmark. So, so wait, 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 wait. Along. So, so, so all of these countries, they take a stand. And so the fuel companies start making unleaded fuel yeah. for these countries. But because the fuel companies have no conscience, they keep making leaded <laughs> fuel for everybody else. That's is right. that how it That's works? right. Up until 2016, Iraq was still using leaded fuel. And yeah, you could buy it for nine cents a litre. Yeah, too. that's right. <laughs> and, and the last country to stop using leaded fuel as of this year is Algeria. It was the last exporter of leaded fuel. Exporter? Yeah, so it was exporting leaded fuel until this year. So there was a few countries that were using it, but very, very minor. But now, like, because as well, when it comes to, when it, when it comes to, like, developing nations... Like, they just run the fuel that they have. You know, they don't have that ability to really put those stops and measures in pace. And they also keep rebuilding, 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 rebuilding vehicles forever. Yeah, they're they're running cars from the the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. Like, this is the thing. They have no... Cuba and places like that would be a great example of, you know, those kind of countries. And they're also... What happens is that if you've got a land border with a developed country... um, all of those second-hand vehicles just get driven across the border once they are pretty much fully done Mm. and they continue living another life down there where they just get, you know, every last skerrick of life (laughs) eked out of them. Yeah, that's right. And so if you don't have the appropriate additives to put into unleaded to be able to keep them running, I've got two two vehicles at home that Mm. both run on leaded fuel, but I've got the additive so I don't need to run, I just run unleaded fuel in it, add the additive. But if you don't have that available on the shelf... In these developed countries, which would be a logistical nightmare, you can kind of see, you can kind of yeah. see how this would happen. That's right, and so they just kept exporting, but now it's it's done, it's over. You know, they've they've confirmed e, e, like the EPA, National Geographic, the United Nations. They're like, it's over, no more leaded fuel, no more lead poisoning. You know, and it's crazy. Like since this um, this has taken place, like just looking at the statistics over the year, over the years, there's been like a seventy percent drop in lead content in the blood of like children. Wow! You know, and huge. that was and that wasn't like between 1970 in California and 2020 in California. No, we're talking about like countries where they would stop putting lead in their fuel. There would be like adverse health effects for a period of time uh, because it already has affected you. But the amount of lead in your blood would see a significant drop. Yep. Um, but that's the thing is that the health effects, you know, the negative health effects still stay. And so, um, well, you know, we've left that era, era behind now, which is fantastic. Well, we should be walking lighter today. That. <laughs> But I'm so, oh, oh, all right. This next story that I have, I have found the perfect job for producer Shell. Oh, okay. So, so if pretty because we love producer Shell, she does an amazing job here, and we never want her to leave. But if she gets, I sick love of, producer Shell. I've been married to her 27 years today. <laughs> well, oh, really? Yes. Today's your anniversary. Congra- didn't even bring it up. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's our kind of anniversary. Oh. We were legally married on this day, but our church wedding, which was our main wedding, was in November. Okay. 
So that's when we celebrate is November. Ah, uh, all right, all right. Yeah. So, let's get, dude, that's like my dad says that his birthday is January second and third. Oh, because he's just he's just decided that like, yeah, he's he's like just, why not? He's just I don't know, really he self identifies as being born twice. Why not? <laughs> yeah, you can do exactly that exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> but check this out: this job we never want Prudence Shell to leave. But if she gets sick of us, she can go and mm. be the nose of Nissan. Right. So Nissan has employed this guy. Yes. His name is Peter Eastland. He has um, a degree in chemistry and forensic science, so he's pretty legit, dude. Um, from uh, Leicester University in in the UK, um, and he works for Nissan Europe as a nose model, sniffing oh, cars, sniffing cars, sniffing, sniffing cars to make sure that they have the new car. Anyone smell. who knows my wife well knows that this is her job, right? Exactly. Here. That's that's the point. So if you don't know Shell, you would know she is just as a nose like a bloodhound. That's that's exactly right. She is like a gun, and this job, basically, this guy, he. He's he's a part of the, I think like he's a part of the the assembly line in some capacity as well as like quality control. So he'll kind of like go to one model and make sure it's it's worked out. It's like okay, you guys can assemble this car because it smells good and it's you know he he has a job checking off the assembly lines that they're doing the correct thing when they complete the car because it smells good. You do know you can buy a new car smell, right? Yeah, but like, what if? And spray it in your car, and your car smells like a new car. But this is the thing: it's like, you know, you could do that, or you you're buying a brand new Nissan Qashqai or something like for thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. They, they've got to have quality controls in this thing. They're not going to just be like, oh, well, I guess you can buy a new car smell and <laughs> like just it, spray a bit of new car smell in there, roll it out off the production line. Because that's good ex- to go. Because dude, I have a car like from 2010, and then before that, like I, you know, driving like Utes from like the early 2000s that used to be like work smokers cars oof, i was in the uh, dude like nasty. yeah dude work eats bro they're the work like you buy secondhand work eats and they're like whoa but you know then you take them down to the local car wash and and um put like ten dollars in the new in the fragrance machine yes. <laughs> just sit there spraying it to get the smoke smell out but um but no hey the nose of nissan this is a legitimate i th- i think like shell can go around offering her services honestly she could, oh, she's got the nose for she, it. She does. Like, I no feel like question. there's a very illustrious career in head of her as the nose of Toyota, Renault, whatever it may be. But Shell, like, this is, this is, this is your role. I just wanted to say that. All right. I have a little bit of time left. I wanted to mention this epic story about how this Chinese city has built a food court for elephants. So essentially elephants, you know, they migrate through this area and in the past they've just gone like, well, we're hungry. Let's go raid someone's farm. And dude, if you, if an ele- if like a pack of like 14 elephants raid your farm during migration, you're done. Like they put you in financial ruin. And so they've built this really epic food court. They go along and they've got, you know, all these different things that they can eat there and they stop off and take care of each other and then keep on migrating. So I thought that was really, really cool. That's all the new good news I have this morning. If you have any thoughts, 0491064669 is the number to call. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so if you have children or you are in the in an area where children are likely to be listening to this radio station right now, uh, my advice is to uh, turn your radio off, come back and listen to this on the podcast by yourself. This is not child-appropriate material. Mm we're going to be talking about but we're going to be talking about netflix and the fact that netflix has no conscience 
And this story is probably one of the clearest evidences I have seen that pure evil is a thing. Wow. And that it exists on this earth. And this is because of the new animated series that uh, uh, has just been brought out by Netflix. It's called Big Mouth. Oh yeah, I've I've heard of this. Okay, yeah, it is. A, it is. It has been around for a little while. It's. Um, I've sort of been. It's one of these stories that I've been tossing up. Do I cover this story? Or do I not cover this story? Uh huh. And so basically, this is a story about twelve and thirteen-year-old children. Mm-hmm. It's an animated series, um, so cartoon series. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's pitched as cartoons for adults. Yeah. Um, it contains well, it contains animated sex acts. It has full frontal nudity, um, and all of these are twelve to thirteen year old children mm. that are depicted in that way. So it's basically well, it's not basically. It's pure child pornography. Okay. Um, it got an MA rating. How on earth you ever give an MA rating to child porn? I don't know. And how do you give an MA rating to depictions of actual sex? I don't know. Mm. So this is not like, you know, implied. This is actual sex acts. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give a couple of examples here because a lot of people are not going to believe what I'm saying. Because when I'm I'm listening to you, yes. because like there there are many like animated series like yes. made for adults, that's and right. that feature like younger people. My mind goes to like something that's always been controversial, like South Park. Sure, um, but like yeah, that's there are limits in South Park. Yeah, it's not the kind of thing that I would ever watch. Yeah, that's right. But there are limits with South. There are no limits with this. Uh, yeah, because I I've never watched this. I've just seen like promos for the show, but I've never watched it, and so. I, oh, now I'm like I'm I'm hunkering down a little bit. I didn't know you were going to talk about this, by the way. I'm yeah. like I'm a bit. This is pretty gnarly stuff. So you've got a 13 year old boy offering oral sex to his father. You've got boys in a communal shower performing uh, sex acts and joking about sex acts. You've got boys uh, talking about and practicing mutual masturb- masturbation in front of each other and sharing tips on how to get off. Um, that's just getting me started. Um, if we continue on here, basically it fulfills all the definition of um, – sorry, all of these are depictions of minors. A child is held down and raped by having a penis forced into his mouth. A child urinates on another child. Uh, a minor um, character penetrates a minor female. Um, there's, you've got a character who is – you know, who talks about having sex with his own excrement and eating it. And I will leave it right there. Please, I think I have said enough. Stop. Please stop. Okay. This is Netflix. And this is what our world is producing for TV content right now. Mm. This is the, and, and basically what it shows is that next Netflix is not just void of a conscience. They actually have an agenda to produce pure evil and to peddle it in our world right now. Mm. And we've seen this because this is not just a one-off. This has been Netflix. Netflix has a pattern of this going back in that they have branded themselves as the purveyors of child pornography and abuse and the normalization of child pornography and the normalization of pedophile pedophile behavior. What kind of adult is going to watch this kind of material? The only kind of adult that is going to watch this kind of material is pedophiles. These people need to be locked up. There needs to be a criminal case against them, and there needs to be a criminal case against 
anyone who watches more than two episodes of this and anyone who watches more two episodes of this needs to go to jail for consuming child pornography and having child pornography on their on their viewing devices whatever those devices might be this is Okay, so I've got a bit of a, 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 um, a head of steam up. In 10, in 10 episodes, you've got 17, um, 17 of them have, you know, full front, the 17 instances of full frontal nudity. Now, the definition of pornography from the industry, from the, from the, 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 the TV and, and entertainment industry, is sexually oriented material that is intended to pander and titillate. How is this anything other than exactly what I've described right here? And if these are children that are in being depicted here, then that is the very definition of child pornography and your only audience is going to be pedophiles. I think they get away with it like at the moment. Like the, the kind of case that they give against it is because the children are like voiced by adults. But it does, like, it doesn't change. Don't even what get it, me. Like, I know, I know, because, dude, I, I don't, I don't watch Ooh. this stuff. Yeah, like, no, I know. And it's like, and I'm definitely not supporting it, but I, I see, in a sense, like, where they're, they're coming from at this. Like, even, even the creator is on record questioning whether they have created pornography, child pornography, mm. and several of the actors. Yeah, definitely, because it's like there's some like big names in here in, in the comedy world. Like, just I was just looking at the cast. Like, you know, you've got people like Jordan Peele, Mayor Rudolph, like, oh yeah, um, big names, John Mulaney, like, big names. John Mulaney was another one who questioned, like, this is probably child pornography. We probably shouldn't be doing this on record. Yeah, wow. So they know what's going on, and in the up, there, there will be a court case on this, and those kind of comments are going to be brought out in a court case. Mm. There's going to be criminal charges laid. I hope and pray. Mm. And I hope some people get locked away for a very, very long time over this one. This is this is Netflix that created Cuties, which was 11 to 12-year-old girls um, doing twerking and simulated sex moves in dance moves, which created an 800% cancellation rate mm. when it aired. This is the, this is Netflix that produced The First Temptation, uh, which, which raised oh, 2 million it's... signatures because that was a depiction of gay Jesus. <laughs> this is Netflix... That created the movie Desire, where you have a nine-year-old girl masturbating, and now you've got this. This is Netflix that has positioned themselves as how evil can we push society and get away with it. Mm. That's that's basically uh, where this is. And okay, my text messages are going off like crazy right now. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call right now. And um, we can help you with how to cancel your Netflix if you have that <laughs> on your computer. Um, it, 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 okay. Their stated aim, the stated aim of the creators is, cop this, that adult viewers would look back on their adolescence and say, wow, that's just what it was like. Now, if that was what it was like for you when you were an adolescent, all I can say is that I feel terribly sorry for you because you had a very, very broken teenage mm. years. And I understand that a lot of people did have, do have very, very broken yeah. teenage years. I get that. But we don't want to look back on that with nostalgia. We want to put that behind us and move on past that to, you know, we don't want to start normalizing brokenness. That's right. You know, we want to be lifting, you know, um, society up, not tearing society down. We need to be creating a better normal rather than a worse normal. 
No one should ever feel that this is normal in society and that it is commonplace for the average team. And this is the thing, like, like um, you know, adult-focused animation is, is very popular, like incredibly popular, but, you know, particularly if we talk about, like, you know, Japanese media and stuff like that. Yes. Um, and it's because it's a, it's like transitional in the, in the sense that you've, you've got this coming together for, for teenagers, right? You've got this coming together of, oh, you know, we've grown up like watching cartoons or whatever. And now there's like that with adult themes and, and you can, they can do a lot with it because it's like, it costs less. They can have bigger scope and bigger theme with a, with a lower cost and, and, and whatnot. Um, so this like 100%, like this show is going to be consumed by people who are of that age as well you know because it's one thing to say oh yeah you're an adult watching this and it's like through that lens and you can kind of put you know with the suspension of disbelief put it in that area but there are going to be people who are this age like 12 13 14 who have a netflix subscription who are going to watch this show of course they are of course and it's like is you know like we we have how naive do we think we are yeah and we have to give people credit it's like okay like people have brains but there are a lot of kids who are really inept like who come from bo- they are kids they, they are right. children they're they come from broken places they they don't know and this is just going to have a terrible influence the gay and lesbian alliance has nominated this as the best lgbt plus related television that has been produced interestingly oh. um but the question that arises how does society benefit by sexualizing children yeah Okay, Darren Pratt's text in. He says it's time for us collectively to rise up and take the village back. Kids take their sex scripts from this stuff. If your child has a device, access to a device or friend's device, they are being exposed to pure evil. We need to parent yeah. now more than ever, especially in the digital space. And that's from somebody who has uh, dedicated their life to uh, um, child uh, ministry uh, right the way th- through. So protecting children, like that's so much yes, a big part of it. Like it yeah. is. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Well, joining us on the phone this morning to talk about a very, very positive story from uh, young people and what young people are up to and uh, teenagers and so forth is Byron Tolhurst. Byron, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Yeah, great, thanks. Now, Byron, I understand that uh, you're just a young person, teenager, um, still at school, um, and an amazing Bible study happening there. But, uh, Byron, how old are you and what uh, what year of school are you in? I'm 15 years of age and I'm um, in grade 9 at King's Christian College. Fantastic Perfect. stuff. So, King's Christian College, I understand that what's on the Gold Coast in Queensland? Yeah, Gold Coast. That's the one. Great. Now, I understand that you've got a Bible study going on at this school. Uh, how did this all start? Did you just sort of uh, sit down one day and say, hey, you know, we should study the Bible, I should study with some of my mates? And how, how, did, this, how did this get started? Yeah, so basically at King's, I'm the middle school captain, and I also have a partner, middle school captain. And we just basically were meeting up every Thursday lunch, and we just wanted to see, like, what we could do in our school community, what we could do in the community to really make a difference and to mm. build a positive like, community of faith, really. So um, recently at my local church, Coast Life, we've been running teen Bible study groups with my dad and we've been basing it off the Bible Discovery Reading Program. Mm. And so I thought that was a really positive way to incorporate, you know, Bible text, Bible scriptures and really bring out what the meaning out of it. So we 
sat down and I basically raised the idea of running a Bible study group um, and basing it off the system, really. And so we all decided to give it a try, and it's just really taken off in there, yeah. Okay, so basically you've taken the system that you've got running at your church, taken it across to school yep. and said, hey, let's try this at school. Yeah, yeah, basically. That's awesome. Goes and, yeah. so, so the school that you go to, how many students attend that school? Um, so I think we have over a 1,000 students in high school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and in my particular grade, I think we have close to 240 uh, on the campus. Oh, that's massive. It's a decent-sized school. And... Uh, are these kids, are they all like Christian kids or do you have a full variety there? Oh, no, really. Like, it's really anyone's coming. Like, Kings has a full variety of uh, Christian kids, non-Christian kids, everyone showing up. But people from all over different groups, social groups, like Christian, non-Christian are attending these Bible study groups just to really get something out of it and Positive to see that. Okay, so you've started this, um, you've taken this Bible study uh, system that you've got, it's happening at your local church, you've taken it across to your school, um, where you're a middle school captain and you've started doing that. What what time of day, when do you when do you slot these uh, Bible studies in? Um, so we're looking at the schedule that we've got and we decided it was probably best to do it during lunch breaks. We'll um, give up our lunch break and run this Bible study group, it's a very worthy cause. Um and we were looking at the schedule, and on Tuesday, the period before lunch, we have Christian studies. We decided it's probably everyone's in the you know the right mindset to come in after Christian studies, and then into into our hub, like the connective learning area, and where we run these Bible studies. Yeah. Well, I remember when I was at school, and when I was at school, pretty much when lunch break came. You know, we would all head outside, scoff our food as fast as we possibly could so that we could uh, get a bit of sports in before we went back in for classes. When you started this particular Bible study group, did you expect a lot of kids who would be prepared to give up uh, all of the things that they normally do during their lunch break to be able to study the Bible? Yeah, well, that was one of the things that we were considering because, like, Obviously, middle school kids, they love their lunch breaks. Um, but we were thinking, how can we really make it like a positive experience for them and like really not taking too much away from their lunch break? So we just really created this atmosphere where people could come in, they could bring their lunch. We sometimes brought in like food and stuff for them, just get a positive experience to chat and talk about life and then get down and read a bit of the Bible and just really get something out of it. Yeah, no, I don't think anyone was really showing that they were missing stuff on lunch break, really, because, yeah, getting something out of it. So. Yeah, fantastic. And I think that uh, I would assume that you would have had some great support from the school. Uh, most schools, you know, would support something uh, very positive like this. Oh, yeah, they jumped straight behind it. Anything they could do to help you out. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, um, all right. So let's talk about the results. So you've you've pitched this idea. Let's um, let's put it out there and let's see if anybody out there, you know, who's like fifteen years old thereabouts, um, that kind of age bracket, wants to give up their lunch hour to study the Bible. And yeah, how successful has this been? Yes, yeah, so we basically started off with the core group. So it was me and um. And the girls, middle school captain. And then we also have uh, the rest of the leadership team, which are the chapel captains or basically like the church captains. And there's four of them. So there's six of us all together. And we all got um, 
into a meeting and discussed how we're going to do it, our game plan, how we're going to advertise it to our grades. And basically we made up this flyer and we called our group um, Faith and Following, our little connect group, and we basically advertised it on the school website um, for anyone that wanted to come in from any groups in the middle school because the seniors are doing their thing as well. So anyone in the middle school that wanted to attend was very welcome with her open arms. And we started off, like the first one, um, we all rocked up and there was probably about 25 kids that came straight away wow. and it was a really surprising result. Um, and the first time, like obviously middle school can be a bit rowdy. We were all in one big core group and it was quite, I don't know, it was quite um, difficult to center the conversation really with such a large number. And each week the numbers just getting, uh, kept getting bigger and bigger. So we decided to split um, the connect group into boys and girls for two reasons. One, that um, we can really center the conversation better. And I believe that um, the girl captains are running it with the girls and me and uh, the other boy captains are running it with the boys. And the other reason was that we could really like, you know, talk down about how like we could talk about um, things that, you know, the boys know, like you can really connect and mm. uh, share on a deeper level really in that kind of group. So, yeah. And it's important, I think, uh, you know, we have a 60-40 split within Christianity that doesn't exist in other religions where we have 60% of our um, of Christianity um, are, are female. And so I really appreciate the fact that you are reaching out to uh, the boys in your school because this is an area that we need to focus on. We've sort of neglected this area in the past. I think it's fantastic what you've going got happening there. So you've got these two groups. Yeah. How many people have you got in each group now? Is this? I mean, has it has it petered out and waned down, and now you come down to like the core group that are just dead serious, or is it continuing to grow? Yeah, so there's the core group. Um, I guess if they had to be a core group. The girls have probably about twenty that will come consistently every week. And the boys have about uh, 15 that will come consistently. And then there's obviously other people that come in, like they're curious, they want to know more about God and they like what they see or they'll just come every second week. But yeah, there's a core group of about 20 for the girls and 15 for the boys. And but on, on good days, like we've had close to 60 kids in there really. Wow, that is absolutely sensational. I'm so excited about what you're doing here and I'm so excited that, you know, you as a student, as a, uh, as a year nine student have actually initiated something like this. Tell me, Byron, how was it, if, if I could ask this question, how was it that you came to give your life to Jesus Christ? What's, can you share with us a little bit of that story? Yeah. So my dad, um, was Paulhurst. He was a church pastor for 20 years. Um, so I always kind of grew up in a Christian Adventist home. Um, yeah, ever ever since I could remember, I'd been going to church and everything. But really, I think it was on summer camps, really, that mm. I first gave my life to God. And I went away on summer camps. Um, and I just really heard, it. for me, it was the students talking because they had, like, you know, young people, young students, young teenagers that were preaching and sharing their testimonies for the summer camp. And I really thought that was powerful and that was re- really connected to me. Um, yeah. And then after summer camp, I came back and I was like, I really, really want to get baptized. And so we did some, we did some study into it. We, you know, did some Bible studies, talked about what it means. And I got baptized in 2017, I think. Fantastic stuff. Now, um, Byron, um, 
you've started this Bible study group here. When you started this Bible study group, was this the first time that you had actually let out in giving a Bible study or because you mentioned your dad was doing a program at your local church there at uh, Coast Life Church. Uh, had you given Bible studies? When did you start giving Bible studies? When was the first Bible study you gave? Yeah, so um, obviously I've been attending the Bible studies with my dad at church, um, and I got the general gist of it, but honestly I've never run one myself. So this is a completely new experience for me. I just saw a need in the community to create a strong, connected uh, faith group in our Gray that we can support each other through life, and I said, "Why? Well, why don't I give it a go?" And yeah, it had tremendous results. Don't really need too much experience to start it and keep it going. Yeah, just pray to God about it. Really, mm. I love what you just said there. You don't need too much experience to start it and keep it going because this is the biggest barrier that people have to actually going and sharing Jesus with other people. And the reason that I'm going to say this is because I do workshops, you know, right across the country, right across the world, you know, pre pre COVID, of course on how to give Bible studies and how to share Jesus with other people. And I have people who turn up who are in their 80s and they've never shared Jesus with anybody. They've never given a Bible study and they're always too afraid. And they're like, yeah, but I might not do a great job of it. But I always say that the most important thing about giving a Bible study is giving a Bible study. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Yeah, you don't need some qualification or special, special, you know, achievement to be able to run a Bible study. It's just people getting together under God's Word and really studying it and sharing it into their lives and seeing what they can get out of it. Absolutely. Yeah, wow. it's, it, it really comes down to um, making yourself available for the Holy Spirit. You know, if, that, if, if we are yeah, available, exactly. if we put up our hand and we say, hey, I'm here, use me, I'll have a crack, then we yep. give the Holy Spirit opportunity to work through us, which is um, fantastic. If we sit back and keep our mouth closed, then there is no opportunity for the Holy Spirit. Mm. That's exactly it, yeah. What are the long-term aims with your uh, Bible study group that you've got happening there at uh, at school, uh, Byron? Where do you see this um, heading as it you know goes into you know the second half of the year, as it heads into next year? What what, what are the what are the big plans? Where, what's the future hold? Yeah, so we've got. Um term for the last term next term and we're still keen to keep running it keep connecting obviously growing our numbers and creating a strong faith community within everybody to you know share what they're feeling on their heart and keep each other accountable to following Jesus and obviously next year we're going into senior year um grade 10 we're going senior so I don't think there should be any reason why it should stop I reckon same core group, we can keep running it, keep encouraging our grade and those below us to coming in and learning what they can and sharing and really getting something out of Bible study too. Byron Tolhurst, thank you so much for joining us here. You have inspired all of us, and this is the best of what young people are doing in our world right now. Let's encourage it as much as we can. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.